0: Matthew and chapter 7. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew and chapter 7. We are finishing out the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, literally, when I say finishing it out, this is it. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not sick this time coming back from Oklahoma City, praise the Lord, but I uh, was humidity to no humidity, so I do have a little bit of stuff in my throat to work with. So, Matthew chapter 7. We just last week covered, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now we're in verse 24, uh, verse 24 of Matthew in chapter 7. So this is the roundup. Okay, this is the conclusion of the whole Sermon on the Mount. Okay? I'm not gonna go back and re preach it, but he references it. References he references it. <clears throat> so I would suggest, if you have questions about it, go study it. Open up your Bible and go back and study the Sermon on the Mount. Or get on Sermon Audio or Facebook and re-listen to the messages that we've been preaching on it. But verse 24, Jesus concludes a Sermon on the Mount with this. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house." And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Imagine that. Father, we thank you for the the finality of this, this message, Lord, and its reference to the teachings of Jesus, Lord, to the Word of God, I pray that you'd help us to open our hearts and hear what you'd say. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. <coughs> I am a, a, a bit of a window shopper. My uh, my wife can tell you that. Uh, now it depends. I, I'm not like a shopper, like ladies shop, like go in and pick something out and then put it back on the rack and pick something out, and put it back on the rack and put something out and put it back on the rack. No, I'm I'm more, I like hunting, you know. I'm more like, I got a, something in mind, that's where I want to go and I want to go look. But there are a few things I like looking at all the time just to kind of see where things are at, like houses and cars. Just, you know, uh, probably the car saying I should quit because sometimes I end up going, why does he have that and not me, you know. If he had that and I if I had that and he had a feather under his arm, we'd both be tickled. But I was looking at uh, house.com, h-o-u-z-z.com, and a question was asked, what is better? A perfect house in a bad location, or a terrible house in a perfect location? And it was one of those things you have to click to vote and then they ask you to comment. And with a extremely clear margin, location was selected. A terrible house in the perfect location. You know the statement, right? What matters in real estate? Location, location, location. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, I know some people that that have the perfect house in a bad location, and they added on and made it look real nice, and put in a swimming pool. And then when they went to sell it, they were figuring to make at least twice what all the houses around them were were because it was twice the house, but it's location, location, location. So they only made pretty much what everybody else in the neighborhood made. You can always take a terrible house and fix it back up or remodel or tear it down and rebuild because location is a big deal. So this, if I can say this, is the spiritual version of location, location, location. And it's quite a comparison because the Lord compares the actions of a man's life in response to the teachings of God to building a house. Not just, not just the actions of a man's life and not just the teachings of Jesus, but the actions of a man's life in response to the teachings of Jesus to building a house. So let me, let me make this statement. It matters where you build your house. It matters where you build your house. Uh, I don't know how many of you go out and uh, how many of you walk the the new walk trail along the canyon. My wife and I, we like doing that. Go down and uh, get some dessert or something and uh, walk the canyon, watch the sunset. That's fun, you know. And, and you walk by those houses, you're like, wow, you know. I could probably take 10 years of my income and not afford that house. You know, I mean, just... I wonder know what it must be like to live there. And then the second thought hits you, man, if they had an earthquake. <laughs> that house... You know, I mean, it's kind of interesting how we, how, how we think of how that whole canyon edge... But listen, it, it matters where you build your house. And we're, again, we're not talking about a house. We're talking about a life. We're talking about a life. And it matters, it matters number one, number one, it matters because of security. Security. You want a house or a life like this house, that when massive storms show up, when calamity shows up, when the roof comes in, well, hopefully the roof don't come in actually, but when the bottom drops out of the sky or the bottom drops out of life or the bottom drops out of of Wall Street, you stand. It doesn't mean it's not bad. It doesn't mean things aren't awful, but when you come out the other side, your house is still standing. It has It has withstood the trouble. It's not knocked out of kilter. You are safe and warm and protected. It doesn't mean that there might not be a little bit of fear, but you're safe and warm, and protected. Now, I grew up in Michigan. Michigan is a, a state full of lighthouses. And uh, I grew up watching Big Red. Uh, Big Red is a is a the totally wrong shape for a lighthouse. Like you don't you know you don't build lighthouses square. And we've, we're finding that out. The, the house, lighthouses that were built 200 plus years ago that were square, like down even in Japan, when the tsunami hit, they're all gone. Square ones, gone. Okay? But I grew up watching Big Red. It's square, did have a round part, but I, I used to love watching it. It was still built pretty solid because Lake Michigan, because it's it's a it's a broad surface area and it's... I mean, it's deep to us, but technically for a body of water, it's not all that deep. So when the wind goes across, it can stir up some massive waves. I think I've told you before about we'd be out on a little 16-foot aluminum fishing boat, fishing for perch, and uh, just hauling them in, having a great old time, sunny day, and look out on the horizon, and there'd be a black cloud out there, and you're trying to get that, you're trying to get that motor started as fast as you can, start heading towards the, towards the, uh, the breakwater so you can get in between the breakwater, and I mean, we're, we can see the breakwater. It's like right there. We're not that. We're not even a mile out into the out into the lake. And by the time we were halfway to the breakwater, we were going down, ten foot up. There's the breakwater. Down. All I see is waves. And I mean, it was just rolling, and no time flat. You know, it can get dangerous, and I used to watch those waves. They'd slam up against that old big red, and you'd watch them shoot way up in the air. And then in the winter, of course, Michigan's cold, which my, my daughter, by the way, they've already had 10 inches of snow um, up there in, in, in Michigan, northern Michigan. But I'd watch those waves come, and it'd be cold, and that whole end of that pier would just be covered with ice. And it's been standing there for, I, I don't even know, 100 years or more. But I got to looking at it because I love those pictures. Some of you might remember, there's a very famous picture of a lighthouse. Some of you may have seen it. It's, it's La Jumont. I think I'm saying it properly. La Jumont is the name of the lighthouse. It's off the coast of Brittany, France, which is one of the worst uh, ocean places for large waves and troubled seas and all that. And uh, it shows it shows this... Like, you're looking at the lighthouse, just the very bottom of it, where the walkway is, the entrance door. And there's a guy standing in the door, and wrapped around the lighthouse is a massive, massive wave. If, you, if you've never seen it, you tri- just look up La Lajumont, J-U-M-E-N-T, L-A-J-U-M-E-N-T, and look at the picture. That's an amazing picture. As a matter of fact, the lighthouse keeper had, literally had to run back in the door, or he'd have been... Uh, Wiped right out to sea, But this lighthouse was built in 1911. I mean, literally, it was lit, okay? Lit in 1911. It is uh, 157 feet tall. The lamp is 118 feet off the surface of the water. And it has repeatedly, since 1911, it has faced waves repeatedly of 65 to 99 feet tall. Pretty regular. And occasionally, at least one that we know of, uh, was 157 feet tall, one wave, slamming, I'm sorry, not that's the, that's the thing, um, 130 feet tall, 130 feet tall, sorry, slamming into this lighthouse over and over and over. Now, I know there's a little bit more to the lighthouse than its foundation. Now, there's some interlocking stuff a lot. But if a lighthouse doesn't, is not built on a rock or concrete foundation, it's gone. It's a goner. You don't withstand that kind of force. I don't. I don't know if anybody here has ever even experienced ocean waves, or uh, even just on Lake Michigan. The the power of water is unbelievable. Miss Lynn, I know you've, you've probably seen it, but you can be standing literally just a few inches of water and have a wave hit you that knocks you off your feet quite easily, and not be that big of a wave. It depends on you know the, some of the currents thing. Like. So imagine a wave that's. Uh, 118 feet tall slamming or just I don't know just the whole thought of a 99 foot wave slamming against the same building over and over and over Lajumont's been standing since 1911 there's several of those lighthouses that have been standing for over 200 years why? they're built on something that's going to last that make sense? That is the definition of a good foundation. That's a definition of a house that is built on a good foundation. But not all houses stand, do they? Not all houses stand. I'm thinking even just recently we've had uh, some of the issues down in, in uh, uh, Florida. And some of you might know the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Really the reason it's leaning is because of a poor foundation. They did not, they did not study what it was built on. And before it was even completely built, like literally, they built part of it and it started moving immediately. And they went back and finished it anyway. They reinforced, the, they reinforced the foundation and finished it anyway. So literally, when it was finished, it was already the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It wasn't like they built it and then later, ee, no, it's, they finished it that way. Why? Because of the foundation. The foundation, it makes a difference. Listen, no one wants a life that gets messed up. When trouble shows up. You know, as, as a preacher, as a pastor, well, as a preacher, but mostly as a pastor, I, I, am, I am often with people at the worst and best times of their life. One of, I'll just tell you, one of my absolute favorite things ever as a preacher is going to the hospital when there's a new baby that's been born. Get to look at at the happy new mom and dad and hold the little baby and think, you know, just, I mean, it's it's a gift. It's a wonderful, precious moment. But there's other times, and it's not always at hospitals. And it's not always around death. I have seen people weep and wail, literally uncontrollably, in their homes and at hospitals. No hope. I've seen people... You're sitting there talking, talking to them, realizing that they're probably moments away from picking up a bottle of pills or picking up a gun and, and ending their life because they just don't know what to do anymore. They're, they're, it's, they're, their life has fallen apart. Real storm, real trouble has hit their life, and their life, it's just fell apart. It's not safe. It's not warm. It's not protected. And when the storm is over, there's nothing left, literally, but pieces. Now, I know I've used this illustration before. Uh, it will be a long-time illustration. I was on the verge of using another one. I just couldn't find a good basis for it. I've got to make sure these things are, are at least semi-true before I bring them out. But when the shuttle Challenger blew up, it, it, it never should have left the ground. I'm not going to give you the whole story like I have before, but it literally it never should have left the ground. They, they have the process where they, they go to each station who's responsible for a different part, portion of the whole system and they say, are you green for go? Are you green for go? Are you green for go? Which means, is there any part of your mission that gives you pause that isn't perfect for the launch? And if it's, if it's not perfect, they say, it's, no, it's not green. No go. They'll say, no go. No go. And so repeatedly, as, as they were, the challenger was fixing to take off, there, would be, there was one person that kept saying, No go. No-go. No-go. I, I can't give a no-go. And as we well know, and as you have all have seen, uh, if you've paid any attention to that, there was a, there was a big O-ring uh, that was a problem for the Challenger. It's literally what caused the explosion. And uh, they had to redesign the whole mess since then. But the people that were responsible for the, for the O-ring were saying, no-go. No-go. We've not tested these O-rings at this temperature. No go. We can't say. So what they did is, because there were some bigwigs there, there were high mucky mucks in politics, and of course, Krista McAuliffe, the, you know, the world-famous teacher, was on there, and, and it was a big deal, and there was so much media. They, they changed the foundational question from, from, is there anything that bothers you about this, to, can you really give me a good reason to say no? In other words, okay... You don't understand it, but do you really, can you really tell me that that is a good reason to say no? Well, they couldn't at the time because they didn't know. They'd never tested the O-rings at that temperature. So they don't know. And so then they have to say, okay, dream for go. They changed the foundational question. Listen, they changed the foundational question, and what could have been a safe ride on another day ended up being, one of the greatest tragedies in NASA's history. It cost cost like $3.2 billion, not to mention the seven lives lost. $3.2 billion. Why? Because of a foundational, they changed their philosophy of launch. And the changing the philosophy of launch caused disaster. Hmm. Notice the problem didn't change. The problem was the same in both questions but what they do about it was different listen it's a matter of security it it matters where you build your house because of security we want I don't know about you but I want a life that stands I want a life that is able to take some of the greatest hits that this world can provide and come out the other side not having totally lost everything that's me amen amen The same storm in our text hits both houses. It's the same storm. Read it. I mean, what, what's the basis? The rain descends, the floods came, and the winds blew and beats upon the house. Rains, floods, and wind. Rain, flood, and wind. Sounds like a hurricane, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. But it's a serious storm. I mean, when it says beat upon the house, it's, it's not referencing some little, you know, oh, we had 20 mile an hour winds today. No, this is heavy-duty stuff. This is like serious storm. The same storm hits both houses. Now, you you know what's interesting is that this passage never says that storms aren't scary. It never says that the storms aren't severe. It never says that the storms... It doesn't mean that there's different storms for different people. There are literally some Christians, I think, that believe that. That somehow the storms that hit them are different than the storms that hit lost people. No. Same storms... I don't know if you notice it or not, but believers and unbelievers get cancer. Believers and unbelievers die in car wrecks. Believers and unbelievers drown. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, is what God says. And rain is a good and bad thing. The same storms. Therefore, listen, it doesn't mean that storms are easier for Christians. You understand that? The storm is the same. The storm is the same. It just means when the storm is over, one comes up the other side and still functions, and the other one comes and has nothing left. Their life is hopeless. It's in pieces. They have to either rebuild, and many people are and many people are not capable of rebuilding. I, you, listen, you know what I'm saying? They have no peace. It matters where you build your life because of security. But it also matters where you build your life because of strength. Strength. A house can only be as strong as its foundation. A house can only be as strong as its foundation, and so is the life. The stronger the foundation, the stronger the house. I mean, that's pretty clear. Listen, we're talking in this, in this area. Jesus is saying something everybody there knows because this whole area, region, is a land of rocks and sand. <laughs> and if people want a house that's, that stands well, they, they literally find a good place where the rock bedrock is there. They build their house on it. But there are people that build their house on sands. Matter of fact, you can go and see, you can literally do YouTube searches and watch. Uh, There's houses in Florida. There's apartment buildings in Florida. I mean, there's some of you might remember, I think it was 1976, they built that big drainery. Was it in Kansas or Nebraska? They built that big, ginormous drainery, and uh, they they didn't test the soil. And there was a bunch of sand underneath, and as soon as they started putting grain in and filling it up, the whole thing just started tipping over. I mean, it was massive, made national news in those days. It was unbelievable. That might be earlier than the 70s. I might be thinking of one that's a little bit earlier than that. But that, there was nothing they could do. Had to destroy the whole thing and start from scratch. Why? Because they did not test the soil. They built it on a house can only be as strong as its foundation, and so is your life. The stronger the foundation, listen, listen, your life as you live it is built upon the ideas and philosophies that you are putting into practice. Is everybody here? I think that's a fair statement. Right? Your life is built upon the ideas and philosophies that you are putting into practice. It's not built upon... You know, the, the circumstances in which you've lived, it's not built upon however somebody treated you bad however many years ago or, or necessarily how your parents raised you except unless you've accepted that as the philosophy of life that you will guide yourself by. They're, the, list, they're by the ideas and philosophies that you are putting into practice. Not the ideas and philosophies you say you believe because we can talk all day about what we say we believe but what we actually do is a big difference. Right? Uh, this is the simplest thing ever to illustrate uh, how many uh, how many uh, people today are against uh, death causing issues there there 's people against guns, massive movement against guns there 's massive movement against oh uh, matter of fact, people are on both sides of vaccines because of the possibility of death i mean there's endless well we need to fight against this and we need to fight against that and while there are a few groups of people that are against alcohol it is still one of the largest killers of man that exists in the world but you don't see politicians out there going i tell you what we need to do is we need to close all the bars and stop alcohol from being sold in the stores they're killing people can't appear as a killer don't say that and the CDC doesn't even put out estimates or statistics on alcohol like they do on every other thing that causes death. They separate all the stats out into various little degrees, and you've got to go dig them all up to find out it's probably the number one or two killer of mankind. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because, well, in my philosophy, a drink now and then is not a bad thing. Well, it's not the drink now and then that's the problem, is it? If it was, nobody would die, because that's what everybody says. Is everybody here? You can believe that diets work as philosophy, but if you don't put that in practice, you can believe that exercise makes you stronger, but if you don't put it into practice... So your life, listen, your life is built upon the ideas and philosophies that you Practice that you put into use not the ones that you say you believe. The the, The stronger the ideas and the wisdom upon which the life is built, the stronger the life, right? Right? Okay. The only difference between the two houses or lives in our text, the only difference is this, the foundation. That's the foundation. And in our passage, it describes those foundations differently. There are two different foundations. First the foundation is the rock. And he tells us what this foundation is. He doesn't leave us, he doesn't leave us wondering, well, I wonder, I wonder what this might be that can make my life a solid thing. It's just, he says it as plain as day, doesn't he? He says it right there. Verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. That's the foundation. What's the foundation? You hear it, and you do it. Well, I'm not so sure about that. You can be not so sure all you want. But the Lord says if you want a life that makes it through trouble, makes it through the storms of life, that, that faces, listen, not just the storms of life. You understand the position that's being called out here is, are the, the calamitous events of life. Which, by the way, are many. Many. There's a whole lot of different reasons. Some people would fall apart for one thing, some people fall apart for another, but the same storms are going to hit everybody. Those who hear the sayings of mine and do with them. So not just that you sit in church all the time, not just that you read your Bible all the time, not just that you claim to be a great Christian, but you actually put into practice the things that you hear. It's not what you say you believe. It's the principles and ideas upon that you're actually using in life that provide stability. You hear that? So you hear and do. Seems like there's some verses about that, isn't there? Secondly, the other foundation is the sand. And what does it say about this foundation? It says there in verse 26, And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not. So there is, the criteria is, and again, it's kind of interesting, both foundations are exposed to the words of Christ. Do you hear that? Both foundations are exposed, or have access to, or can see, and hear, the teachings of God Himself, or or to be specific, the Sermon on the Mount. They both see it. The first foundation takes those sayings and says, that's good, I'm going to put that into practice in my life. The second one says, nah, I'll do things my way. Or yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I agree with that. But then the actual practice of life looks nothing like it. And humans do that all the time. Don't tell me that we don't. Come on. How many of you have an exercise bike or a treadmill in your house that is now a clothes and towel rack. So you understand the truth of the idea, but it's not in practice. The sand. This is a life that builds its whole life upon, I hear, I hear the sayings of Jesus, I'm even influenced, I, at least I'm, I'm influenced by hearing them, I see them, I understand them, but I am not actually taking them and actively figuring out how they fit into my life. Does nothing with them. This is a bad foundation. So the proper foundation matters not only because of the security it brings, but the strength that it provides. And lastly, it matters where you build your house because of this. Return on investment. You all know what ROI is? Entrepreneurs know. Businessmen know what ROI is. Because ROI, is, I mean, that's like a big deal. I'm putting, in, I'm putting in so much money or time, I'm investing so much, what is the return from my investment? Now, some of you have 401Ks or mutual funds or maybe some you do some day trading or whatever, and what you want is a positive ROI. In other words, I want to invest so much and I want to see the return interest on that increase my investment. If I'm going to put in $1,000. I'd like to see it at least go to, you know, like 1050 or $1,100. I don't want it to see, I don't want to see it go to, 700. That's a negative ROI. We're now losing money on the investment. And let let me tell you, it's it's in the thing here, and it's an important tracking tool for business, and it can be positive or negative. As we said before, the house in this illustration is compared to a person. A house, like a life, listen, both take time and effort and money to build. This is not, this is, Jesus is not referencing some one-time event. He's talking about the course, of, the course of a life. A house takes a while to build. Despite all the TV shows that you've watched that show a whole house being built in three days. There is a lot of man hours involved in that. Houses take a while to build. And a good house in a good place like you want it takes even longer. A life is something that is built over time. And you won't know your ROI until the storms hit. You won't know the return on the investment of the ideas and philosophies, not that you have, not that you've said you are using, but the ones you're actually using, the ones you're actually putting into place in your life. I need to be more, need to be more, I need to be more organized. Wake up in the morning. What are you going to do I don't know. I need to go on a diet. Wake up. Let's go to Denny's. I want the big meal, whatever that biggest, biggest meal is with everything. ROI. Like a life. <clears throat> Listen, you can, you can build your life thinking you have done well. Looks great. I have the house I want. I have the wife I want. I have the kids I want. I have the job I want. Uh, or maybe not everything like I want, but i got a pretty good life. Everything's going real good. But when real life kicks in, like trouble, like real trouble hits, what are you going to do? <clears throat> when you lose your job and it's, it's, it, you know, it wasn't your doing. When you get a, a major disease and you, you haven't even started living your life yet. When uh, your young bride turns into a, a vegetable because of a car wreck. When the, devoted, when the devotion of your life, you, you built a profession or you built a company or whatever, whatever it is, and suddenly the company or the profession that you built doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. Or you set aside so much for retirement, and you think you're doing well, and, you know, like 2022 hits. What are you going to do? When something that you thought wasn't important in life but something you might experience was suddenly taken away from you, tragically, dramatically. What are you going to do? Listen, these sayings of mine that Jesus says that you build your life on and doing them, it, the immediate reference is here to the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to tell you again, a Christian could do no better than to spend a lengthy time studying the Sermon on the Mount. It would be a great thing for every Christian to spend some serious time studying the Sermon on the Mount. But we have to back up just a little bit because there's an issue we have to talk about first. The Lord is speaking, but are you hearing? Because that's the beginning of the foundation is hearing, right? The hearing and then the doing. There are some people that have not heard, period how shall they hear without a preacher some of you even in this room you've not swallowed your pride you've not not been faced with the fact listen Jesus died for sinners he didn't die for good people he died for sinners he came to this earth purposefully to take the payment of our sin and pay for it himself before God And He offers that that sacrifice as a gift to every man. Amen. He offers it to you as a gift. His sacrifice before God for your judgment. In your place. Taking the payment you should have had for your sins. I'm telling you, if you haven't even heard Jesus, that's where you have to start. You have to start by acknowledging, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I place no more trust. I'm going to put all of my hopes and my thoughts about my philosophies of life and my wisdom for life and I'm throwing that out the window and I'm completely accepting Jesus and His payment for my sin and His philosophies for my life. Turning your back on your own and turning your all to Him. Amen. You've got to start there. That's the first step. But even believers, let me just remind you, the Lord is still speaking to believers. And just because you're a believer does not automatically mean that you are doing everything that he is speaking. You know this, right? Hey, hey, come here, come here, kid, come here. I want you to take out the trash, and then I want, uh, hey, uh, uh, over here, are you listening to me? Okay, focus. I want you to take out the trash, I want you to make your bed, and I want you, yeah, 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 I'll answer that in a minute. Hang on. Okay, you listening? Okay, I want you to take out the trash, I want you to make the bed, and I want you to feed the dog. Now, what did I ask you to do? No. 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 Okay, listen, focus. Because humans don't have trouble with that, do we? Time for my morning Bible reading. As he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city, I wonder what's for breakfast. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy and oh palsy. I wonder how Paul's doing. Oh lying on a bed and Jesus healing their faith said vroom, 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 vroom. Thirty minutes later. Oh, oh man. And behold, certain of the scribes said because humans don't have trouble hearing, do we? There's a story about a child who was with his father at a, a, a symphony orchestra. There was a beautiful concert going on. And his, the father turned to the son and said, Listen, listen for the flutes in this song. Don't they sound beautiful? The child... What flutes, father? <laughs> There's flutes in there? I, one of my things that I had to do in training, some of my music training was to listen to orchestral pieces and try to pick out one instrument. I'd never done that before. Like, huh? Oh. Oh, yeah. And you know what's funny is when you start listening to the individual pieces, suddenly the whole symphony sounds better because you realize this piece is doing, and that piece over there is doing that. Oh, did you hear what that one did? The whole thing becomes better. But listen, you first have to learn what flutes sound like before he can listen to him. Unless we take time to purposefully hear God in the quiet moments of life, how in the world do you think you're going to hear him when the storms hit? James 1, and I know many of you know this and you're uh, bound to go here, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man that looks at himself natural face in a glass. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. <laughs> True. Trouble with that? Oh well. <laughs> Talking to somebody and they're totally distracted meanwhile you got boing, 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 ding. What's their problem? But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Hear and do. This is a wise investment. There's good ROI here. Wise investment. Hear and do. Well, they don't make sense. It's not about whether it makes sense. It's about God says this is where the positive ROI is. A life that learns and implements the wisdom and life of Jesus Christ has a good ROI. You will withstand the storms of life. And your stand, the Bible says, will be one that is apparently quite strong because it's compared to the opposite, very opposite. The storms coming a beat on the house. We had a, we had a, a tornado that went through. I, I'll never forget the night, South Dakota. We, we were just getting out of church uh, one Sunday evening. And in, uh, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and we and, uh, had a great service, and we we're talking in fellowship, and we'll walk outside, and everybody just went dead quiet because the air was orange. The air was orange. i around, going, what in the world? Look up at the sky, and there's these big. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. There's these big hanging pillow clouds, and everybody look at. Oh man, somebody is getting somebody's getting just plastered. Probably a tornado right now. And we weren't wrong. At that moment, the uh, the town of Spencer, South Dakota, was being wiped off the map. The only thing that stood was the bank. Concrete foundation, concrete and brick walls. It stood. Everything else wiped off the map. S- strong stand. There was one little freezer where some people survived too: freezer in a restaurant. Again, for some reason, it had an incredibly strong foundation and wrap some surround. <clears throat> First Samuel puts it this way: "To obey is better than sacrifice." Well, I, I blew it, so I'm going to make some penance. I'm going to give more to the to the offering this week, or make, you know, I'm going to try to be a better person this week. I'm going to try to serve penance for God. You know, don't don't serve penance. Just what is it you're supposed to do? Just okay, God. That's what God would like. I'd like to please God. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start implementing that in my life. Y'all know how hard it is, right, to implement something new in your life. Try it this week. Just skip breakfast. Or lunch. Let's do better. Just skip lunch. I'm going to skip lunch this week. See if you don't have trouble doing that. I'm dying. I've got to have a bar or something. i got to have, you know, give me a protein bar. Hear and don't do his sayings. This is foolish investment. Negative ROI. A life that learns but does not implement the wisdom and life of Jesus Christ is one that is doomed to fall to pieces. You know what that means? Some of the biggest falls are people that grew up in church. Are you you hearing me? It means some of the biggest falls are the people who grew up hearing good, solid preaching. But they ignored it. And and it's really interesting is It says the fall will be big. When it says great was the fall of it and end in verse 27, the word great means big and loud. The idea is everybody going to see it and hear it. You won't be able to hide that. Think of Moses here. Moses? He's a great guy. Hold on. In Numbers 20, God told Moses, You've already struck the rock. Now I just want you to speak to the rock. Just speak to the rock and I'll bring forth water. Moses, he gets up there and instead of hearing the words of God, he allows his emotions to take control. And instead of speaking to the rock, instead of speaking to the rock, he speaks to the people and strikes the rock. And God said, you messed up, bud. Wrong foundation. What was the foundation? Just do what I tell you to do just speak to the rock yeah but i'm upset i want to give my peace no you need to build your ideas on my philosophy god says that one that one shift prevented moses from ever entering the land that he was leading his own people to he got to look at it from a long distance but never got to go in that's awful to be the deliverer of God's people, to be the savior of God's people. And listen, Moses was a great man. This doesn't take anything away from Moses per se. But in that one thing, he walked up in that instance. And instead of building his life on the foundation of what does God say, he built his life on what does my flesh want. These people are idiots. I'm telling you what. What do we got to do? Bring forth water out of this rock for you? You, read, you go read it. <laughs> That's pretty much how it says. Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? Numbers 20, verse 10. <coughs> What's the big deal? He just hit a rock with a stick. Why is that such a big deal? You know, humans are always ready to justify when they build their life on their own foundation. Yeah, but it's not that big a deal. Again, I've said this before, I'm going to keep saying it. Anytime this statement is used, you should stop and look carefully at what you're doing. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. It ought to be this big red flag, I go ding. Why am I saying that? I better examine this. Because I might be justifying my own response to disobedience to what God's Word says. The problem is not what Moses did. The problem is that he disobeyed God. In other words, what he wanted to do became more important than what God said to do. That's called humanism. That's what that's called, humanism. Guess what? Guess what uh, Satanists agree with that. A Satanist will tell you, we don't worship Satan. We worship man. We're humanists. That is Satanism. That's the definition of Satanism. Disobedience to God is to say that I know better than God what, he, what needs to be done. I am wiser than God. I am, better this, I am better in this instance than what, what I think is, is better than what God wants here. And by the way, that's just straight up idolatry. For this simple sin, Moses was prevented from seeing the great. Moses heard God's word in this instance, but he did not do God's word. There's that one instance. Now granted, we have the rest of Moses' life where some good foundation was built and we have the results of that, praise the Lord. But do you hear what I'm saying? All of Scripture is full of this basic doctrine. Trust and, for there's no other way, not to have Jesus be happy, but to be happy in Jesus. Proverbs 29, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. The vision here in the context is talking about the law. You can go back and read it yourself. People have misused the verse greatly. But it's talking about the law. God set the law up and said, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. That's the Old Testament version. The New Testament version is this, 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him, he that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. And there's a lot of other verses we go to. Listen, calamity is going to reveal the reality of your Christianity. Calamity is going to reveal the reality of your Christianity. It exposes the philosophies and ideas upon which you have built your life. I'm telling you, calamity will expose the the truth and the realness of the philosophies upon which you've built your life. Every life essentially then rises and falls on obedience to Christ. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Amen. What you do with the words of Jesus determines your stability in this life. I don't know how else to say it. What you do with the words of Jesus determines your stability in this life. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're sitting in, you're sitting in your pew right now and you are in your mind gone. I have made a wreck of my life and I don't know how to fix it. Yes, you do. It's right here. Hear and do. Yeah, but that's a lot of work. Yep, it's a lot of work. Funny thing is, the Lord empowers us with this thing called the Holy Spirit of God who walks with us who empowers us to do what He's given us to do. Listen, are you hearing me? It matters where you build your house. What is your life built on? Find the heart of God. It's in the book. Find the heart of God for, you, for your life. It is in the book. He loves you. God wants you to have peace and, and, and joy on this planet. that He designed, and here's Jesus saying, here's how you attain it. Here's how to how to live through some of the worst times of life and walk out the other side strong and resilient. Yes, it was a bad storm. Yes, it was scary, but I'm making it. God is helping me. I, I, I tell you, there's, I, I'm, I'm getting where I'm understanding this. Even with my, with my parents, losing my parents, I think I was a little bit both. It was kind of evident. I was seeing where God was obviously helping me through and I was seeing some spots where I didn't know what to do. It just encourages me, I'm going to stick with what's in the book. He wants you to have a a peaceful heart in the middle of a stormy world. (laughs) I'll I'll leave you this illustration. But my whole life growing up, my mom loved storms. Uh, God had used physical storms in her life to teach her that he is God in the real storms. And so she would, she would literally, if there was a major storm, she'd be at the window or on the porch. And so I grew up my whole life. Well, I remember very specifically one of the worst storms. I'm not kidding. It was, it was a hole. I mean, the, the thunder, the whole house was just, I mean, shaking, stuff falling off the walls just from the thunder. And it was nonstop, just boom, 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 boom. I, I wish, if you've never experienced a storm like that, find somewhere to experience it because it's amazing. And I was scared to death, and here's my mom sitting on the living room floor looking out the picture window, and here's dad right next to her, and I walked out there and just kind of tucked up under mom's arm, and suddenly the whole storm thing didn't seem like a big deal. I got mom, I got dad, everything's safe, the storm can do all it wants, they're not scared, I'm not scared. And man, I remember watching out there and seeing those clouds light up from the inside and then seeing a big flash of thunder and watching, and to this day, if there's a big storm, I like it. I'll be... If the tornado sirens go off out in Missouri, I'm out on the porch. Like, okay, now I ain't stupid. I mean, there's times I get my family in, but I, watching that rain slam through and realizing this is just the dust of God's feet, man. The God's still in control. He's a good God. Did you hear me? My son, on the other hand, well, <laughs> different. So don't don't beat up on him, but and you'll understand why. How old was he, three, three, three weeks? When he was three weeks old, I still to this day am not even sure how in the world I talked my wife into this, or if I did, or if she chose to or what, I don't know. He was three weeks old, Dakota was three weeks old, and we had a, I was in charge of a lot of the activities at Heartland, and we were doing a, a big banquet. End of the year banquet, May, that's tornado time. So we're, we're all at this motel, and I think I've told the story before, we're, having this, we're in this big conference room, we're having this, uh, this big event, big end of the year banquet, and it's just about to close down, kids are starting to leave, and the tornado sirens go off, and she's going, my baby boy. And I'm going, I, I got 200 and some kids. I'm, you know, i got to make sure they're all okay, and where are we supposed to go? And I'm grabbing, because nobody's telling us anything. I'm grabbing people walking by, workers, and saying, what are we supposed to do? And I'm like, okay, follow this guy. Everybody follow this guy. Down into the basement they go in underground Oklahoma City, and and that was a whole story in itself. But we're safe. She's dying. My baby, and I understand. I, I mean, I, I'm not in the least, I understood it. Dakota, on the other hand, three weeks old, the tornado was within a quarter mile of the Cooper's house where he was staying. And Autumn and Dakota, three weeks old, and Miss, Mrs. Cooper, Lisa, and Daniel, and Emily were all in the tub with a mattress over the tub with it sounding like a freight train outside and wind slamming against the house outside. And all my, all my baby boy could do was scream and cry and scream and cry at three weeks old. So you understand where when he goes to Oklahoma City, he's like, where do you want to live? Somewhere where there's none of this. He likes Idaho. Fire? Okay, no big deal. No tornadoes. <laughs> the storm, Even the thunder here is pathetic compared to Missouri, Oklahoma. <laughs> we got a thunderstorm. What was that? Was that a semi going by? And still to this day, I'm not saying he's scared to death of storms, but he's not a big fan. Because of the experience at the beginning. Listen. You learn to follow what the Lord says in this book and start taking these things, and because you love the Lord, and because you understand he's given you good, solid wisdom, you take these things and over time begin to grind them into your life for whatever you can, however harsh, however long it takes, but begin to Try to put those into practice in your life, you are going to see a return on investment that will see you face things that other people face. They fall apart, and you'll go, huh? Man, God is good. Same storms. Same storms. Or you can live a life that every time the storm hits, you're like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do. What are we going to do? I just don't know what I am. That's the one that ignores the book. And no matter how old you are, every person of any age can start that same process. Well, I understand it. There's plenty in there you do understand. It matters where you build your house. It matters what you build your life upon. What are you building your life on? Father,